0: Hey, everyone, welcome back to The Leadership Locker. Can you believe that because of you, globally, across all platforms, we were ranked in the top 100? So we were actually ranked 100 in business and 92 in education. And then across all platforms in the US, I think we were 72 in business and 50 in education. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I cannot even begin to demonstrate how grateful I am and how happy I am that a lot of this is coming to fruition, a lot of this work. That does not mean obviously I going to take my foot off the gas pedal in any way shape or form. And that's why we're going to get into this next episode with uh, Claudia Mata, CEO of Vertly. And here's the deal. This is a story about someone who grew up in a third world country essentially, moved to the States, took an interest in fashion. Got into the fashion world, did some of the coolest things that you can possibly think of, including all the trips to Paris and all these, all these devil wears prototype, you know, scenarios that you imagine. And then, you know, she ended up having children. And having children did not mean to her relax. Like, you know, let's let's relax. And that's what her husband wanted. And, you know, she just had to be active. It was a part of her life. So. You know, when she was pregnant with her second child, they moved from the epicenter of fashion, essentially, or one of them, at least, in New York, and then moved to Northern California. So, because of her drive and her desire to kind of just look for a new identity after leaving the fashion world, she leveraged her resources. And by that, I mean her family and her husband who were in the cannabis space essentially well her brother-in-laws and then her husband had been using cbd because of her curiosity and because of not looking at herself as someone who was now worthless and was just a mom she decided she was going to go look into it a little bit deeper and then she started a side hustle that turned into a full-fledged business for skincare products that involves some of CBD, but more importantly, it's just plant-based. You're gonna hear her talk about this journey. Now, I am gonna be the first to admit, when I hear CBD, I just think of, you know, kind of this get rich quick scheme and people just using it and, and just like anyone can own a CBD shop. And it's just, it's just I'm just not educated on it. And I believe a lot of us feel that way. And she talks about that. She talks about some of the risks of having the type of business that she has because of that confusion. But nonetheless, Claudia obviously has a lot of energy you're going to see in this episode, and I can't wait for you to listen. So let's get right into it. This is what happens when your identity changes and you stumble upon something new. Here we go. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Leadership Locker. You just got the intro, but what you didn't see was just the fumbling around since uh, we've been like connected here for the last 17 minutes. So we're not going to rush it, but I I certainly am going to be a little bit more expedient with my guest. Get all this great knowledge out of her because she is, she just said she's a very green entrepreneur and I'm going to let her introduce herself. Let us know who she is, where she is and what she does. So let's hit it. Claudia, how are you?
1: Hi, (laughs) I'm Claudia Mata. Um, I am the founder of Veritly. It is a California clean CBD skincare line. We combine freshly extracted botanicals with CBD and we make our products fresh daily here in Northern California.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Now, the first thing I read was that you grew up in El Salvador, but then you called yourself a Francophile. Now I have an uncle who was from El Salvador, <laughs> and I have a, a family in Honduras. And these are not, these are exotic countries, but not necessarily prosperous countries, right? So, when you were growing up, for example, did you imagine yourself throwing yourself into fashion and going to Paris and all these different things? Like, what was the energy that allowed that to even happen?
1: You know, I actually even had this conversation with my husband the other day because my mother was visiting. So, I was born in El Salvador. We left the country during the war and we moved to New Orleans. But I was telling him, you know, when I was growing up, I remember my my mother saying to me, like, Oh, if you would not have left when you did, you probably would still be there and be married to a Salvadorian man and you know. <laughs> and, you know, I realized that I don't know if that's the case because both of my cousins, my cousin lives in New York City, he's a doctor, and my other cousin lives in Paris. So um. You know, my family was always going to the lycée School in El Salvador. So I feel like the seed was planted early on.
0: So when did you take your first interest in fashion? And, you know, did that interest become kind of an obsession?
1: You know, I was, I've always been interested in fashion. I didn't know it was going to be my career because I think, you know, when I was growing up and also as a child of immigrants, when you think about your career choices, it's usually like, so do you want to be a doctor or a lawyer? Like, I feel like those were the options presented yeah. to me. Or sometimes it's it would good be, options. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I didn't really even think of all of these creative avenues that you could do. Um, and when I finished college, I moved to the south of France and I lived there for almost two years and you opened my mind to the like the possibilities of anything that you can do. So after I left there, I moved back to the States and you know, shortly thereafter I got a job in fashion and I just Fell right in. It was perfect for me.
0: Talk to me about the time in the south of France. I mean, it it sounds exotic. Is it? Is it what people imagine it to be? Just this kind of escapating and just a beautiful time all the time and wine and and eating and just hanging out. Or is it a different monster?
1: No, it's everything that you think. And my only regret with it (laughs) is with everything in life. And now I try to take that with me everywhere. Is to live in the moment and really enjoy the stage that you're in. Because when I was there, it was, I had no worries. I had no children. I had nothing. And at the time I was thinking to myself, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Instead mm-hmm. of just kind of soaking that, you know, all of that loveliness, you know, I was, yeah. at that phase. I was studying, I was going to cooking school. I was just doing anything. It was like a dream. And I still had that in the back of my mind. So Everything always falls into place. I think, you know, life just kind of can unfold that way. So my advice to everyone now, whatever you're doing, do it because something else will come along and life will always take you down these really interesting paths if you let it.
0: Yes, I agree. And if you listen to this podcast, uh, any of one listening right now, you've heard me say it a million times that my mom doesn't give the best advice. But one thing she always says is you are where you need to be. Uh, yeah. So like, take that for what it's worth. I mean, if it feels like I'm at a stage where I just need to soak it in instead of just kind of grinding then then just do it. But uh, I know it's like to kind of live internationally like you did and to think back to it and just like, man, why didn't I do X, Y and Z? But uh, you had other things waiting for you back in the States and that included fashion. So uh, talk to me about the journey into fashion after, you know, that great time in France.
1: You know, I loved my career in fashion. I was in it for, let's see, almost 12, 13, 14 years. And Mm -hmm. my roles are really uh, predominantly in editorial. So it really was also a time when magazines had a more prominent place in our culture. You know, there wasn't Instagram, there wasn't all these other avenues to get information. So we were the gatekeepers for everyone in the sense of what we were introducing. So we had firsthand knowledge from our designer, what was coming out. And then we revealed it to everyone as we chose in the time that we chose. So it was a really, really fabulous time because you also felt like what you were doing was so valuable. You yeah. could help a designer, you can make someone's business flourish by, you know, shining some light on them. So I loved it. It was really creative. I worked with a, an incredibly talented team. My, my last job was the uh, accessories and jewelry director at W Magazine. And at the time, Edward Enenfull was my boss. And he is just a genius of creativity. And so everything we did, like if I was putting together a shoot for him, he would give me reference images like for a movie. And I would have to pull jewelry and accessories that kind of brought that to life. And we worked with so many amazing photographers, you know, with Stephen Mizell and Stephen Klein and Matt Marcus. It was just Amazing. I mean, I it's definitely when I look back, I like think of myself. And I was living in New York City all that time, so Mm. that's also an exciting, you know, place to be (laughs) um, for all of those years. So it was definitely a pinch me. This is amazing career in retrospect. At the time, obviously, you're in the grind and you're doing it. Yes. But there were definitely times when I'm, you know, I had to go to Paris for couture. I'm like, this is my job. This is amazing. I get paid for this. I get paid to say this is beautiful and let's shoot this. It was heaven, heaven, heaven.
0: So your energy, especially when you talk about it, is, is very high. It's tangible, like it's vibrating. But the fashion industry gets a bad rap sometimes, like cutthroat, ridiculous hours, expectations, appearance, and like all these different things. Like what was it that made your experience, at least looking back on it, like different? Or do those things exist and how did you overcome them if they did?
1: You know, I think they do exist. And I, and I thought about it, you know, even in my own behavior and, you know, how anything that I would change going back. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, the kind of the way that we go into things with like a scarcity mentality, you know? So, and I think a lot of, you know, it's a small industry with not that many places to move up. And I think that that could really arouse people to have these feelings. It just makes them a little bit more combative because you're thinking sure. there's not enough to go around. So I think that that could be why it has a bad rep for reputation. I think it all depends on who you work with and, you know, how they treat you. I was fortunate enough to always have lovely bosses and lovely experiences, but I do know and have plenty of friends that did not have that. So mm-hmm. again, it all depends on on where you landed, <laughs> I think.
0: What, so what year did you leave the fashion industry?
1: I left in 2016, I believe.
0: So... I, I love how at the beginning you were talking about like there was an Instagram and, and you, you felt like you were contributing to something really special. You were making decisions. I mean, there's all these different things. So as you started to watch social media evolve a little bit, obviously there had to be a little pivoting that you witnessed. But when it came to you specifically as an individual, did you say to yourself, my runway isn't as long as I once thought it was, especially here in this industry. Uh, did you contemplate at all like a career change or did you kind of just lose interest and then kind of and then we'll get into where you are now. But I mean, what was the thought process?
1: You know, I have to say that things did not happen the way that um, I I didn't plan any of it. What happened is, is my husband is from Northern California and when we got married, when, you know, when he, actually when he proposed to me, he's like, by the way, I want to raise my children where I grew up. And I was like, yeah, 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 let's just get married. Like, it's fine. I'll do it. <laughs> and then we had our first baby and we stayed in New York. And, you know, my daughter was two at the time and we're still there. And I was like, oh, great. Like, maybe he he's not on board or this his old plan and I'm not going to mention it. And then the moment I got pregnant with my second baby, he literally came to me like, you know, it was like three months in and he was like, prepare yourself. We're leaving. <laughs> so he gave me like a couple of months, six months. He's like, you need to, you know, and I, yeah. I gave a long notice at work. I think it was maybe three months that I gave them and said, I was leaving, you know, that we're moving to California. And I was really petrified of the change because I didn't know what I was going to do. Cause it wasn't, yeah. you know, I knew that I was having a baby. So I feel like, you know, as a mother and I love being a mother in that part, I think you know, if I were leaving without, I would, we wouldn't have left if it weren't for the second one. But yeah, um, I think he was just thinking, okay, now we're ready to start this part of our life that we raise our children somewhere else.
0: Yeah. And I mean, so we talked earlier when we were warming up, like I am a father of two children. I didn't have two children. Uh, But like the second time around, at least you kind of know what to expect to an extent, right? Like, I mean, you're a little bit more prepared. The nerves are a lot less. Uh, I don't think you're probably reading the baby book all over again or looking at all the apps and anything like that. So the real change is the location. I mean, literally coast to coast. You're trading for what you know to be a very exotic and crazy and energized environment to Northern California, which may not be the same at all. So when you got here and you kind of got settled in, what were your impressions? And then what was your outlook? You went from, I have no idea what I'm going to do. Now I have two children and yes. here
1: we are. Well, I moved here pregnant. So uh, that was one thing. And uh, I mean, to say that I was holding on to the last moment of my job, because I loved it so much. My I left my job on a Friday and we moved on a Sunday hmm. and I threw a birthday party for like 50 people for my daughter on a Saturday <laughs> like we're not leaving no we're not leaving we're still celebrating her birthday so it was definitely a denial I think at the beginning and then when I got here I think the biggest issue for me because if anyone has ever been to Marin County it is you know they call it God's country it's beautiful the climate is perfect it's amazing I they have zero complaints about it being here for me it was more of an internal struggle that I had sure. whereas I had this identity and this career you know, for well over a decade. And then I landed with no plan. Now I'm a stay-at-home mom with, you know, one baby and I'm pregnant and I'm waddling around (laughs) and I'm trying to figure out what to do. It was more of that in terms of who am I now? If I'm not Claudia Mata, you know, accessories and jewelry director, you know, with all of this, you know, to do, who am I? And I think that was my hardest landing.
0: I'm so glad you said this. When you remove a large part of your identity, and I'm going to tie this into my service. It's not about me, but I'm just trying to tie it into my service. Like when I left the military, it was like, what's happening out here? You know, you're used to something. You understand how it works. You got promoted. You were able to thrive. You enjoyed it. And then it's just kind of a different story. So this was a a family decision. And then here you are. When you remove that part of your identity, what it also, I think, invokes is a lot of introspection. And then next thing you know... You and your husband are looking at a potential business, you know, so talk to me about how that first time it ever came up and what your thoughts were.
1: So I'm clearly type A. And when we got here, he was like, I think you should take some time, you know, figure out what you're going to do, have this baby and relax. And I think it was like one month in that I got here that I was like, you know what, I'm going to start a little business, a side business. And when I was leaving New York, like when, when I knew I was leaving, obviously those three months before my husband's family, his brothers were in the cannabis space, two of them. And, you know, they had their own product line. They, you know, they've been doing it for, I don't know, it was like 15 years at this time or 12 years. So I've been really familiar with them talking about it. And it seemed really exciting to me at the time because I knew legalization was, you know, in the horizon and. At the time, it's not, you know, obviously I'm familiar with it, but I was like, I would, it would be interesting to get into this space. Let me explore it and see what I can do. And then in that month period, when we came back, of course, like I said, I would like to keep myself busy. I decided that I was going to go back to school and study herbalism because it was something that interested me. I grew up in a really holistic um, household. My mother's, you know, very much into like plant healing and Xander prior to all of this he's a nutritionist a yogi a health consultant so mm-hmm. even though i wasn't doing it it was definitely a part of my life and i yeah. thought i'm here this is like herbal is central i might as well take you know classes from the best and when i started to do that the more i was learning about all of these different you know plants and how they can help us heal there were things that i thought i, I wish everybody knew this so yeah. I-, I was into that area a little bit more but i still had the cannabis aspect in my mind And my husband did not want me to get into the cannabis space because he's like, I see what my brothers go through. It's definitely a lot of, you know, hoops you have to jump through and it's not as easy as you think. And he was like, but I'm really a proponent of CBD. And I think you should consider this because he'd been using CBD at this point now for years through being introduced to it through his brother. And because he's an athlete and it helped them and he didn't want any psychoactive, you know, effects. So he's the one that introduced me to CBD and I had seen him use it, but I, I didn't put the connection together until I went to school and was kind of tinkering in that area. So it really did come about so organically and so naturally, and it had nothing to do with, you know, I think in like 2019, there was like a CBD explosion and yes. all it, everything. But for us, it really was, I got into herbalism cause I must, you know, I was like keeping myself busy. And then his Confirmation and me having seen his benefits, and I was thinking, you know what, this can only heighten what the plants that I'm gonna be using as well. So I started tinkering.
0: All right, everyone. Hopefully you're enjoying it so far. We're taking a quick break to let you know that if you are looking in to your strategy for a personal brand or a personal branding for the executives in your company, you are not ready to pull the trigger on content creation or podcasting or any of that. I completely understand. And I have a couple options. One is a strategy session. Like, no kidding. I've now learned and been trained in what's called core discovery, where we will peel back the onion layers with all the different facets of your business, who you're trying to serve, why you're trying to serve them, what your goals are, everything, everything, everything. This is probably half day exercise where we will just deep dive into everything and then I will provide you with a brief at the end and you could go on your way or if we landed on something that I can take part in on the backside then so be it but I don't have an agenda to push except helping you get clarity and I know how difficult that is as an entrepreneur I promise you I feel it and I get it if you are looking for a much cheaper option then there's a $99 take action personal branding guide that we came up with I've gotten such good feedback on it so far for either of those for either of those just send me a DM on LinkedIn, or you can also email, which is probably better, but info at richcardonamedia.com, info at richcardonamedia.com. Let's get back to Claudia. Here we go. So clearly it goes without saying that it certainly is a controversial space because people aren't necessarily educated enough on some of the differences between cannabis and CBD, but people hear CBD and it's kind of easy to just be automatic and just think, CBD oils, neon sign in a plaza on, on that street. And like, what does that even mean? And how could it possibly help me? But you had firsthand knowledge of its effects. You had brother-in-laws that were in the business. You knew that there was still a risk involved with it though. So what made you say, F it, like, I'm just going in? I mean, you studied it, but still you, you knew to the outside world who wasn't as educated as you or your family that it was a risk. So what was it?
1: I think that that's the beauty of being, you know, an early entrepreneur when you jump into things. Ignorance is bliss. And you're just <laughs> like, I'm going to do this. So I just did it. I didn't even think about all of the other aspects. I mean, they definitely came through. I'm not saying that this was an easy business to get into. And I think a lot of the people that are getting into it now, I'm almost like, it's so easy now. You could, you know, you, it's just <laughs> easy to, to get everything going. But we had our website when i put it up i mean the day i put it up it was shut down i had to keep you know square kicked us out right away i can't tell you how many things how many credit card processes went through and again this is in 2016 and there were a hand no this is actually in 2017 there was a handful of brands that did it and i feel like i reached out to them and i you know i'm still friendly with some of them now because we shared you know we commiserated and the issues that we were having But I I think that the difference between my brand is we definitely went into it as, you know, the leader of it. I, I went into it as it being a plant based brand. You know, it was really not only about the single ingredient, because for me, it was more about these larger principles of, you know, we work with local farmers here that grow our plants. You know, we extract them in our own facility, which takes like anywhere from three weeks to eight weeks, depending on the plant. And I wanted to return to this. You know, this whole element of, you know, people do it here where you have like farm to table and I wanted to do like garden to face, garden to bottle. Like we need these kind of artisanal, you know, practices and maybe we're not going to be on every single shelf, but you know, people want fresh ingredients and the the beauty industry is usually not made that way. You know, you, you buy everything in large amounts and then the founders are usually great at marketing and they, you know, sell off what the inventory that they've already purchased. Whereas we're making ours every single day.
0: I'm so glad you brought this up. I I was looking at your Instagram or it was fairly bomb. And what I, and I think there's a video of you talking about the process and how long it takes. And I'm not in, I don't care about the beauty industry, right? Like I don't, I don't have like skincare products or anything like that. I was a Marine. I work out, I work and whatever, right? Like, could I pay more attention? Absolutely. But as a skeptic, because I'm not involved in the industry. And if I were to say like, yeah, okay, but like it took you three weeks. Like why go through all the process? Like, do you are people really going to read the label and be like, I'm so, like there's that one Dave Chappelle episode, like, uh, you know, I want to be purified with the waters of Lake Minnetonka. You know, like he's just like kind of exaggerating, right? Does that stuff really matter? And I'm just saying it from like a pretend skeptic. Like, do you think that matters?
1: Yes, it does. I mean, look at your own, refrigerator, like look at your vegetables after a week, you know, Mm -hmm. like you see them that they're starting to lose their vibrancy. I mean, you have that with ingredients that you use. We're using plant-based ingredients. Most people are, and it's not that they're spoiling. They're just losing their potency. So Mm -hmm. I'm giving it to you in a way that's I've extracted it for so long to take all the vital nutrients from it. And I'm giving it to you as it's just been made, you know, on our batches, we put, you know, this, the date that it was made. So you can actually trace how, you oh, know, wow. decent, your your products were made. For me, those kinds of things were the things that I thought were missing based on what I was learning in herbalism. Those were the things that I thought were missing in skincare. And so we went in, I feel like, with so many things that we were trying to do because it's like, I want it to be fresh and I want to extract, you know, and I want to grow local and I want to include CBD. And it was almost like, okay, are we trying to do too many things Yeah. one time? But oh. again, because I didn't know any different. This is this is the community I live in. This is the culture. So I went with it.
0: I'm so, so glad you said that. Yeah, this is the culture. Now, this is a different story if you were still in New York, right? Like if, if-
1: Absolutely. If I were in New York, I have a friend who just started a, a business in New York, a beauty business. And I had another friend who did it here who is a beauty executive who'd done it for a while. And I remember telling them my process. And they were like, you don't need to do that. You can just hire a lab to make everything for you. And then they'll send it to you. And I'm like, you know, I didn't go into it that way because everyone here taught me a different way. Yeah. And I feel like that kind of gives us our own, you know, individual kind of um, perspective. It gives us a different avenue that we kind of can be unique in the space because of that. Because there's not that many brands. I mean, there are brands that do it, but there's not that many that yeah. are taking the time to do that.
0: So this is a excellent time to kind of talk about. Being a new entrepreneur, I, I completely agree with you. Ignorance is bliss. I, I, I just feel like you're not intimidated by the risks, whether it's your industry, my industry, anyone's industry. It, it's just you, you're just kind of going for it. You're willing to test and test and fail and test and fail. Like you feel like the learning curve is, it compounds. It's great. It's a good, good feeling. But here you are, and you're like, okay, like I said, you have all the background now with your family. You've actually now got educated on it. You have a desire, but a lot of products, are usually a solution to a problem that you've experienced. What was that problem for you, if any? And second, like, how did you say, okay, more people need this, not just me?
1: The first thing that we launched was a lip butter because at the time, like I said, people were really skeptical about trying CBD, and so I wanted to pick a product that was non-intimidating, that you use multiple times a day, and you're, you know, you can literally say, oh, I'm okay. This is just really helping my lips look better. I'm not you know, losing my mind. So that is why we started with the lip butter. But the first product that we had developed was a lotion because it was, it was what my husband used to help him. He's had so many knee surgeries because like I said, he was an athlete before. And so it helped him so much. So we did that one and we did a, a, um, a bath salt for that reason too. So everything that we did was, you know, it's like a muscle soak or relief spray, and then the product that we worked on the longest is a face serum that I use every day and face and a face mist. But um, it's based on a tea that I drank in herbalism. Like you, de- you can develop teas based on different, you know, oh, wow. problems you want to solve. And I wanted something for skin radiance and beauty. So the herbs that I used in that tea, I instead um, extracted them and put them in an oil to apply for your face. So everything we do is based on how we use it. I mean, I don't think that that is what a traditional company maybe does. I think they probably do research and you know get sure. data and you know. So we're definitely you know on a small scale doing what what works for us, and it, it's just a matter of you know this. That's who we are. Like, <laughs> I,
0: I think it's easy to get caught in the latter approach where it's just too intensive. If if you're using it or if you're thinking about this as solving something, you're probably not the only person who desires that, right? So I think it makes total sense. Now, it's interesting because you said your husband, you know, used CBD, helped him with certain things, and then you have the lip balm and the the spray and these other things. Who's the target market here? You know, so like, it seems like it's kind of female-centric, but it kind of started with him and the benefits it allowed him to have.
1: It is female-centric in the sense that the products that we're developing all along. I mean, they all, they all still have a a sensibility that I think is mine. Whereas like the lotion is got such a delicious scent because I was thinking I, if I'm applying this, like I would apply it now. I mean, it's COVID. So we're not really out in heels, but you know, I worked in New York. I was in heels every single day running around town. So I would apply it to my feet. You know, when we were doing all this testing here, and I didn't want to smell, you know, medicinal. I wanted to smell lovely. So it, everything is still for me to use. You know, I think yes. like the, the cooling spray, yes, it is for post workout recovery, you know, to help your body heal a little bit faster. But also, I had, you know, my mother and her friends who were, you know, getting hot flashes. And so I wanted it to be something that they could use in that way as well, you know, cause she was always hot and I'm sure she hates it. I'm saying that, but yeah. when you could spray it to cool down. So I think it's multi-purpose and the packaging is still, you know, it's unisex, but it's definitely, it has a, an attractive look to it. So I definitely think our, our demographic is varied. I, yeah. I know what you mean, because I feel like so much in the space is really catered towards women or men. You know, yeah. I noticed that and yeah. we're kind down the middle
0: because you know there's I like that. I, I think that's a good thing though. I mean, especially if it's something that is interchangeable between my wife and I, for example, right? Like we run together, so it's like we might have the same aches and pains, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. So I completely understand. I have a couple more questions. And this one is you are an entrepreneur, a new entrepreneur, so to speak. You're a mother of two. You are a wife, but you're also in the business with your husband, which is what some people would consider a death wish, right? Like, why would you even do that because of the stress of running your own business? How smooth has it been? And, you know, when and if challenges arrive, uh, uh, arise, which I'm sure they do, like, have you been surprised by how you guys get realigned to just make sure the business continues to thrive and the marriage thrives?
1: Well, our setup is a little different. You know, the I run the company, you know, Xander does have another career and job. And so he is my cannabis expert, which I don't know if he <laughs> that's yeah. the one he, he gives himself. And obviously he does um, oversee certain positions that we, you know, have have contracted. But for the most part, it is my baby, my, you know, it's my third baby. So mm-hmm. yeah, it is. I think that, that that is a little bit more helpful than people that are both in it, you know, dialed in. But one thing I will say that we do that I think is helpful is we we don't have overlap in in our participation in, in the, like, he has never come to me and said, oh, you should do this. And the packaging should be like this, like, or, you know, you should work with this farm and not, there's zero, um, our interest space is so different that, that, you know, we're, we're kind of in our own lanes in what we do. So I think that that has also been helpful, but at the start it is having a business, you know, is, is like having another child. Yes. (laughs) If I I have a tendency to want to talk about it, I mean, I feel like that's changed now, that it, it's been, you know, a little bit of time, but I always wanted to talk about it. And so anytime I would see him, you know, when he'd come home from, you know, his job, I would instantly, it's like, not even like, how's your day? What's going on? I'm like this, this, and this, and this about, you know, workly." So I think that that, that is the one problematic thing. If work is that common thing, because
0: 100%. If- Topic number one. It's, I mean, yeah, the wheels are never not spinning on it. I mean, I completely, completely understand. So where can people find you and some of the product? And what is your desire, you know, for where it can go or where you think it should be going?
1: Well, we do sell at lots of stores. We sell at Bloomingdale's, at Nordstrom's, at Credo. We're at Macy's online. And then we're at Vertly.com. So V-E-R-T-L-Y.com. And you know, I, I'm i still exploring where this can go. It's really fascinating to me because I've I've had so many people that I know that get into the space who are already talking to me about exit strategies and all these different things. And I first, I remember having like a panic feeling about this because, you know, I was like, I'm not prepared for all of this. I don't, you know, I don't know if I'm doing this for that reason. I'm not like the company's set up in a way that I'm not handing it off. You know, I, I just wasn't, I didn't go in with that in mind. And I think it took me a little while to realize that, you know, my journey is not all these other journeys. Like this company is going to have its own trajectory in life. And I don't know what it is. And we're going to try to make it as big as we can, but that I can't really rely on all these things that, you know, especially now that you keep hearing about people doing this in order to do that. So we're definitely going to grow it ourselves and and see where we can can go. Yeah.
0: Like this is a perfect way to end because I think, I know exactly what you mean. A lot. I've certainly got the question a couple times, like multiple times, like, so so what are the plans? And I'm like, I'm just trying to make sure this thing goes, you know, like that it doesn't flatline. I just want to make sure it gets better and that I evolve and that it evolves and all these other things. Like, I'm not thinking about exit. I'm not thinking about evaluation. I'm not thinking about a lot of these things. And maybe that will happen one day, but I think it's really important for young entrepreneurs. And by young entrepreneurs, I mean, you know, in the first probably three to five years of their business, it's just like you said about Paris, just soak it in, learn everything you can. And like the decisions will come, but you don't need to force anything because that's what other people have done, or that's what's traditional. Otherwise you would never even be in this space.
1: Exactly. I mean, I think it's especially prominent in the CBD space that people talk this way. But for, for me being an entrepreneur has been such a journey of self revelations. And I think that You know, in the future, if I were to ever hire anyone, if I were (laughs) a CEO of a company, I would always look to an entrepreneur because it really does develop so many, you know, skill sets that you problem solving obviously is, is not only that I'm talking about, but it's an internal determination and grit and the characteristics that you need to, you know, continue a business. I think are really so developed when you're, you know, doing everything from the ground up and you're
0: absolutely. Well, awesome. So thank you so much uh, for sharing that. I'll make sure to link in the comments, you know, the sites and all that. Congratulations on all your success and and kind of taking the cliche leap, but you know, that people like to talk about, but it's, it's I'm sure you're happier than ever. You seem happy and vibrant. Uh, I know the feeling, but I really, really appreciate you hanging out with me on the Leadership Locker.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Actually, that was how I started the business. My favorite quote, leap and the net will appear. Yeah,
0: I love it. I think there was, I just saw a post about something like that recently. I'm going to have to steal that. So, Claudia, thank you so, so much. Um, we will see you around and we'll talk. All right, everyone. So ignorance is bliss in entrepreneurship. Did you hear that? Did you hear how she was not phased by any of the things that she set out to do? because she just wanted it she did not get paralyzed in determining what the future looked like she did not get paralyzed by looking at how difficult it might be having cbd involved in your product she just went after it and i hope you enjoyed it so please please follow claudia check out Vertly. we obviously got all that stuff in the show notes and then second Look, please share this with aspiring entrepreneur, established entrepreneur, new entrepreneur, anyone who could get value from the show. This is the show for them. This is the show for them. That's why I interview people like Claudia, people who are thriving so you can hear it straight from the horse's mouth. All the challenges, all the upsides, all the downsides, all of it. And obviously I mentioned in the intro how well this podcast was doing. So if you would please consider writing a review I would be incredibly, incredibly grateful. That's how this thing continues to grow. And I cannot thank you enough for being part of it. See you next time.